if you would turn your Bibles to Ephesians 5, we're going to continue our journey in the book of Ephesians. And as you do, uh, I want to rewind time just a little bit for you. I want to go back in time about 10 years. Uh, uh, it, was, it was 10 years ago. This is a true story, by the way. Uh, everything I'm about to tell you, we did not see in a movie. This really happened. It was the early days of, of June 2009. Uh, Leah and I got married May 30th, and so we were on our honeymoon. We took a little Caribbean cruise, and it was beautiful. It was such a great experience. We went to Grand Cayman Island, and we went to Honduras. That was probably my favorite place we went. We went to Key West, Florida. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but one of the stops on our cruise uh, took us to the country of Belize. And so when we were in Belize, uh, you know, Leah decided to take pity on me and she thought, hey, it would be a good idea to go do something that Jason would want to do. Of course, I was, I, I loved being with my new bride, but, you know, we had done a lot of shopping already and planned to do more shopping and, you know, a guy could only shop so much, right? Uh, and so she decided to, to, uh, to take pity on me and she said, Let's go do something that, that you're going to want to do. She knew that I loved being in the ocean. I loved the salt water. Uh, you know, every summer growing up, we'd go to Florida, and, and I just loved being in salt water. And so there was a, a snorkeling excursion that we had the opportunity to go on. So we signed up, and, and uh, we got off, the, off of the cruise ship, and they put us in a little boat, and they carted us over to this little island off the coast of Belize. Beautiful island tiny island but beautiful and it was surrounded by the great barrier reef and so uh so the plan was to to snorkel from the island around to uh the other side of the island and and and, and see the reef and the fish and you know all that stuff well they took us out there and uh there was a little they had a little um uh, orientation where they were explaining how the gear worked and they took all of about 60 seconds to explain this is your mask, this is your snorkel, you use the mouthpiece and you see through the mask and you know they gave us a little waist belt flotation device and they said you want to put that, you know, put the flotation part of it in the front of you so you can kind of float and, 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 and swim around and look down. Well all that was fine for me because I had used a, a diving mask and I had used a snorkel a lot of times in the past but my new bride had not. And so, and so when they were giving all these instructions, like she, it was a different language for her. And so, you know, she was a pretty good sport about it. I really did not know that anything was wrong until we got into the water. And so we get into the water and, uh, and, and uh, we're in a group of about 20 people. And uh, very quickly, uh, you know, she began having issues. Again, she's never used any of this equipment before. All this stuff that, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you know of, of course, you know, you would know how to do this. But, but she had not. She never experienced this. So she's having problems. And she's having problems with a snorkel. And then she tells me, she says, my mask is fogging up. And I'm saying, hey, that happens. Just spit in it and it'll be fine. She says, I'm not going to spit in it. That's gross. Okay? And so... She'd never heard that before, I guess, and so, uh, so we were already having issues, and so the, the group of about 20 people kind of get ahead of us a little bit, and, and my impatience and my 
imperfection sort of kicks in and I decide, I, I, I think, okay, uh, this is the play that I'm going to call here. I'm going to use the drag-along method. It's what I call the drag-along method. And, and that's where you get ahead of them a little bit, so they're kind of forced to come along and make progress. You know, you men, you do that when you're ready to go somewhere and the wife is talking, you get to the door and she knows, come to the door, okay? So it, in my mind, that sounded like a good plan. I was wrong, okay? That did not work out really well. Because I thought, you know, she'll forget about all of these problems she's having. Now, by the way, my wife is a good swimmer, okay? And she had a flotation device. So I'm not worried about her drowning or anything. Uh, but I, I get ahead of her and, and, uh, and I thought she'll just forget about all that stuff and she'll start swimming and then we'll make progress and we'll catch up with the group and all this stuff. Well, of course, that didn't happen quite like that. I, I, I got ahead of her a little bit. And she, she was saying, you're leaving me behind, you're leaving me behind. And, and I just kind of pretended like I didn't hear her for a little bit because I was hoping she'd be like, well, I guess I'm going to have to swim. Well, at that point, we're in a foreign country. She's, you know, we're snorkeling, which she has never done before, using equipment she's, she's never used. And, and here her, you know, her new husband is not being very sensitive. He's being a jerk and he's leaving her behind and she begins to panic. And she tells me, she says, I'm ready to go. She said, and, 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 and her mama's here this morning. She says, I will call my mama. Come get me. And I, I wasn't really sure. We were newly married. I wasn't really sure if she was joking, you know, how serious she was being. And, and, but then I began to realize I had called the wrong play on this one, okay? This was the, you know, I, 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 I called the handoff and I should have threw a pass, okay? I should have done something totally different. And, and, and she says, I'm going back to shore. And so she starts swimming back to shore. And I'm saying, no, 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 wait, wait, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. Well, she, she was done at that part. You know, at that point, D-U-N, done. She was going back to the beach. Now, one of the things that our instructors had done, now they had not given us real good instructions on how to use the equipment, but one of the things that they said very clearly, they said, now if you get at any point, you decide to go back to the beach before we're done, you have to swim back exactly the way that we came out because this whole island is surrounded by coral and we're, we're swimming a trail around to the big part of the reef and so they said be sure if you swim back go exactly the way you came well she wasn't thinking about that okay uh you know husband was being a jerk wasn't very uh sensitive to her needs and she just began to swim and i began to swim to try to catch up with her i'm saying hey uh wait on me i'm coming i'm coming wait 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 and she's not having any of it she's just swimming and and of course you've already guessed what happened by the time i got back to her we were kind of just before we were coming out of the water she had swam through all this coral she got out of the water and her her legs and a little bit of her hips were, were scratched up from from you know bouncing around on the coral and and, and, and at some point as well, before she got to the beach, she had an encounter with a jellyfish. And so she had a jellyfish sting, and, and we're coming out of the water, and here she is 
with scratches from the coral, jellyfish sting, and I could tell she, she's exhausted. She wants to get back to the beach. She wants to lay down. She sees a spot, a, a, a really nice spot in the shade. And, and, and right there in the shade was, was like a little log. And, and she had sort of picked that spot out for, this is where I want to lay down. And I said, hey, I said, hey, let's not lay there. Let's come over here and lay on a different part of the beach. But you see, uh, see, she wasn't really receptive to my counsel at that moment. And so, so there she was with all this going on, coral abrasions, jellyfish sting, and she plops down right next to that log in a bed of ants. Okay? So here we are on, a, uh, on, a, on some island in a different country, jellyfish sting, coral scratches and abrasions, and now she's got ant bites on her back. I want to tell you something. We learned a lot of things that day. Let me tell you one of the things that, that we learned. This is a really good way to, to, to sum it up, okay? We learned that if you are not working together, you are working to fail. If you're not working together in your family, you're working to fail. And so, uh, and so we, we came to that point to where, uh, to, to where that was a very important lesson for us to learn. Oh, there we go. All right, good deal. I was, I was wondering if we had that. Uh, can you go to the next slide there? No. Nope. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Boy, the Lord is funny, isn't he? <laughs> if you're not working together in your family, you're working to fail. And on that day, we were not working together. See, I had a plan. She had a plan. But our plans were not the same, okay? And, and it, that was an epic fail on that day. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, everything that happened that day as far as the her, the coral and the jellyfish and the ant bots and all that stuff really, just to be quite honest, was a result of my own failure to lovingly lead my wife. And, and, and my failure as a leader to understand how to work together. You know, we, we both learned things. I learned that, that my love for my wife is most evident to her when I'm sensitive to her needs and when I listen to her, when I take her seriously, you know, I learned that I needed to guard against uh, uh, things that make her feel less loved. In the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians 5.1, the very first thing Paul says is, be imitators of God. The whole rest of the chapter, and even rolling into chapter 6, Paul is explaining to us what that looks like and how to go about that. And, and here where we pick up in verse 22, Paul is turning his attention to, uh, to what that looks like in the context of a, of a biblical home and a biblical marriage and what that looks like in the life of a believer. And he does this really, to be honest with you, this, is, this makes perfect sense because, because a biblical marriage and a biblical family, a biblical home is, is, is the most basic foundation of personal and spiritual development that God gives to us. It is the very first line of defense against the deceptions of the enemy. Before God instituted the church, 
before he instituted the priesthood, he created and ordained and instituted the family from the very beginning. And so the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at family matters. Uh, the family matters that Paul references here in the book of Ephesians because, because we know that family matters to God. So join me in reading Ephesians 5, picking up in verse 22 and reading to verse 24. And then we're going to skip down to verse 33. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior, talking about Jesus, is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Let's skip down to verse 33. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Father, we pray that this morning you would help us to begin to understand these principles of love and respect, to understand the cycle of love and respect. And Father, how, how we are called to love and respect and honor one another. And as we do, God, Father, how that in, in, in encourages our partners and our family members, Father, our spouses and even our children to love and respect us the way that you have called them to do as well. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless us today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going we're gonna to dive in and, and, and really think about what Paul is saying to the wives because family matters. So the first thing we see is a matter of submission. Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, now that word submit, you know, that is a very, very uncomfortable word for many people in our culture today. But I want to preface what I'm about to say by pointing out that in verse 21, Paul has already told us as a group of believers to submit to one another. He tells us uh, to put the needs of, of one another above our own, both here in Ephesians and in Philippians. So, so this idea of submission is not a one-way street, but, but yet specifically Paul addresses this um, in, in specifically to the wives. So there is something unique that Paul, that the Lord, through the writings of Paul, wants us to understand about what that means in the context of a marriage relationship. But before we kind of get into some of that, I want to I want to be clear and I want you to understand what Paul is not saying because when we talk about this passage, the, one of the things that is very misunderstood in our culture is what we as believers and as conservative Christian people, people of the book, what we believe that this book teaches about submission. And I'm not saying that in the past nobody's ever taught it the wrong way, but I just want to be very clear about what we are not saying. Number one, submission does not mean that men are better than women. Paul is not saying that, that, that men are better than women. Paul says for the wives to submit to their husbands. He does not say ladies, all you ladies are required to submit to every male in your life. He's not, he's not saying that you are 
women that you are required to submit to another person simply because of a gender difference. You know, some of you ladies are fabulous leaders in many areas of life and you lead in the workplace and some of you supervise and, and, and lead men in the workplace. This is not what we're talking about here, okay? This is not a gender inequality issue. Paul is talking specifically about our calling within the context of a marriage relationship. Another thing that Paul is not saying, he's not saying that husbands are to lord uh, over their wives. J.D. Greer, pre current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he says spiritual headship is not a license for men to do what they want to do. It is empowerment to do what they ought to do. And so, so the way that God has designed this is not that uh, not that a husband is to be your slave master or your boss, but that you are enabling him to lead you the way that God has designed. Now, that works pretty well when your husband is walking with the Lord. And so when you submit to the leadership of your husband, you are enabling him to lead the way God has called him. And let me tell you something else that it, it doesn't mean. Submission does not mean that husbands can abuse their wife or their children, okay? There's no place for abuse of any kind in, the, in, in, a, in a family relationship or any relationship. Paul is not telling wives to man up and take the beating, okay? That's not what he is saying here. If you're being abused at home, you have to separate yourself from that abuse, okay? If, if things are unsafe, you've got you to get safe. That, that is not what we're talking about here. There are people in our culture today that will say, all you Baptist people and you believe that Bible and you read that Bible, you're just telling women just to go back into abusive relationships. No, we are not. That's not what Paul is saying. This is not on the board, but I love this quote. This is from uh, uh, Kathy Keller. She is married to a pastor, Tim Keller, that, that writes a lot of books. Lifeway sells a lot of his things. She says this, talking about, uh, about submission. She says, submission means that in matters of disagreement, I yield to my husband the deciding vote. I get a vote, and he gets a vote, but he gets the deciding vote vote. Now, a lot of you already are thinking, well, that's unfair. Well, we're going to talk to the men next week about some of these things, but if a man loves his wife, the husband loves his wife the way he's called to, then, then her vote on that issue is going to carry a lot of weight. And yes, there are times, sometimes where, 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 where you may have to take that step of faith. But buddy, you better know that it's the Lord leading you because I believe that part of the way that God speaks to the heart of a godly man is through the mouth of a godly wife. And so that's got to be taken into consideration, okay? And so uh, J.D. Greer goes on to say in his article, he says, spiritual leadership means that husbands ha have the burden of responsibility. Its counterpart is the sort of submission that it encourages and equips the husband for the leadership. Um, he says submission can be uh, an active and engaging trait, but in the end, someone has to break the tie. Tony Evans, famous pastor, says spiritual leadership is God telling the woman to duck so that he can punch the man, right? 
Uh, if in, in a godly marriage, as in, between, in a relationship between a godly husband and a godly wife, um, there are, God holds us all accountable for things, but the direction of the family, God is going to hold that husband in higher account because God has designed him and, and, and called him to, uh, to be that tie-breaking vote to lead his family, but to lead his family with love. Here's, here's one, one good definition of biblical submission. Biblical submission means to put one's self under God's mission. Remember Paul says, wives submit to your husband as to the Lord. And so this is part of what God has called for us. And so when a woman submits herself, when a wife submits herself to the leadership of her husband, she is submitting herself to the plan of God, but that brings up the, the the question. You know, people always ask, "Well, what if my husband is in sin? What if my husband's not walking with the Lord?" And here's what I would say to that, very succinctly: uh, You are biblically obligated to submit to God's will, okay? For God's will to your life, not to sin or abuse, okay? And so, uh, this is just an extreme example. But if your husband says, "Hey, honey," Um, we're a little short on funds today. Let's go rob a bank. Mm, you, you better submit to me because I'm your husband. No, it didn't work like that. Okay? You're, you're, you are biblically obligated to submit to God's will, not to sin or to abuse. Uh, John Piper says, Submission is not agreeing on everything. He said, Submission is not checking your brain at the altar, which we've talked about some of that already. He says, submission to your husband, ladies, is not giving up on influencing him for the cause of Christ. It's not just saying, oh, he'll never get it. I'm just done. I'm never going to talk to him again. All we do is fight about it. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you just give up on trying to influence him or praying for him. It does not mean, John Piper also says, putting the will of your husband before the will of Christ. It also does not mean that you are to live in fear. Now, now listen, nobody's perfect, and no marriage will ever be perfect. But in a biblical marriage, God has called the husband to be the leader. And the, the, the sad thing is, is that some men have tried to lead, but yet they've been met with angry and hostile wives. And in those same wives that are hostile and angry and uncooperative to his leadership, will go to the beauty shop and then they'll bicker and they'll whine because, the, because he does not lead them the way that he should. I mean, what do you expect? It is a give and take relationship. Nobody's going to be perfect. Ladies, you're not going to be perfect. Men, you're not going to be perfect. But God has called us to operate our families through in, 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 a, in a certain way. And, and so... Uh, ladies, if you want your husband to lead you in a godly way, put yourself under the mission of God and let him lead you. So we have a matter of submission. The next thing that we have, we see in verse 33, is a matter of respect. I love this passage. This summarizes so much of what we're going to talk about uh, in the next, uh, next couple weeks. But love and respect. Men, husbands, you are called to love your wives. And we're going to talk about that next week. Love her a certain way. But also, wives are called to have respect for their 
husbands, and, and, and that happens in a certain way. Um, ladies, you know, it, it might shock you to know that the average man, what he craves, the average person, I know there's always people that are different. I'm just talking in general and on average. The average man craves respect and honor above all things. And so when you love him and you show him your love, one of the ways that he receives your love is through your respect. And so, um, there, again, I'm going to give you, I'm going to share with you a few things um, about, about why to respect. You know, you think, man, I, I just don't understand why that is a big deal. Um, so why should you uh, respect your husband and why should you seek to do that? Because, because a wife's respect uh, expresses her trust in her husband. Uh, it, it expresses um, uh, that trust that she has. He knows that she trusts him when she, when she respects him. It, it also gives him the belief that he can do the hard things. You know, if you want him to be a godly man and you want him to step out and lead, listen, it's not easy. Okay? Even when life is good, it's not easy. Okay? It's, it's intentional. It takes, a, it takes time. It takes thought. It takes prayer. I mean, it, it takes planning. It, 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 it's hard to do at times. And I'm not saying it's not worth it, but I'm telling you, it's not easy. And so when you respect your husband, he knows that he has your support. He knows that, that you are cheering him on and that he can go and do the hard things that God has called him to do. When, when you respect your husband, it, it acknowledges his leadership, which will discourage his passivity. Okay, One of the things, men, we struggle with from the beginning of time, even from Adam and Eve, is passivity. And, and, uh, and it takes, again, an intentional commitment to reject passivity in our lives and ladies Wives, you help out with that as you show honor and respect to your husbands. It, it, it encourages and acknowledges his leadership while discouraging the passivity. It also, uh, that respect provides encouragement. And what that will do is make him want to love you more. It will make him want to break his back to show you the kind of love that God has called us to show you. So, so how can you show respect to your husband? What are some, we talked about why show respect. So how can you show respect? I want to give you a few things. Before I do, let me just preface this by saying, this in no way is reflective of my relationship with my wife, okay? These are things that both of us have learned over the years by sitting under teaching of good biblical teachers and, again, being going to conferences and being in classes these are things that you hear uh, very practical things that you'll hear from from several biblical teachers but if we're going to get and we'll give you a few of them just on an everyday level so how can you seek to uh, understand and to respect your husband number one you need to seek to understand him on his level okay the, the truth is that all of us men or women are different but we all want to be understood Leah and I, when we were in Belize, she needed a certain amount of understanding. I needed a certain amount of understanding. And we were not really communicating that with one another, okay? And that wasn't just her fault. That was my fault. Those are things that we learned. But one of the things that that illustrates is the differences of how men and women think. 
We think differently. We process thoughts differently. We deal with our emotions differently. We communicate differently, okay? And so, you know, you, you sit down. If, if you're a, a husband, sometimes you sit down with your wife. You say, I met a really cool guy the other day, man. I really enjoyed that conversation. She'll say, well, is he married? How many kids does he have? And where is he? I don't know. Like, you know, he liked football, and I like football, and we talked about football, you know? Those are just different ways that we communicate. And, and so, wives, if you want to respect your husband's, you need to seek to understand him on his level. Now, husbands, I'll say, that's the flip side, too. You've got to learn to understand her on her level and try to understand where she's coming from, okay? And so, uh, so we want to we seek to understand him on his level. Let me tell you another thing that's important. Seek to love him and not to mother him. Seek to love him, not mother him. Now, I'm not listen, we all... These, we all men, we need a lot of work, okay? Uh, we need a lot of work. And I'll tell you that I would not be near the man that I am today if not for the investment that my wife has made into my life, and she has made a tremendous difference. And all of you, if you're a godly woman, you want your, your, your godly man to reach his fullest potential, okay? But you got to be careful not to, uh, not to get to the point, there's, there's, there's sort of a line somewhere, and I don't know exactly where it is, where, where, where you become less helpful, and, uh, and instead of hearing all that, that, that encouraging criticism and all, the, all those things that, are, that maybe you are meaning to make him better, and somewhere in there he starts hearing Charlie Brown's parents talking, and all he's hearing is, you know, like, hey, uh, she's not happy with something. It's like the car alarm that goes off. If you've ever been around me, I've got this little fob for my, for my Nissan, and, and there's a button that's really sensitive, and I'll sit the wrong way, and that car alarm starts going womp, womp, womp. And the only thing I'm thinking of is how do I turn that thing off? And I'm trying to turn that button off. And there comes a time where sometimes that can be uh, become... Uh, uh, less helpful and, 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 uh, and, and can actually hurt a relationship. There is a balance there. And I don't know how to tell you where that balance is, but I'm telling you God has called you to be his wife, not to be his mama. And guys, if you expect your wife to be your mama, you need to rethink some things, okay? So we, we, we need to understand, seek to love him. Yes, part of that is going to be to help him, okay? Yes, I still sometimes go... Hey, Leah, does this tie look good? Does this shirt look good? Okay, that's going to happen. But we need to be careful. Seek to love him. Seek to understand him. Seek to love him. And also, I uh, want to encourage you to seek, uh, tell you to seek to encourage him. Okay? Find ways to encourage him. Yeah, you're going to tell him some things are wrong from time to time. And yeah, he needs to hear that. And, and yes, sometimes he needs that tough love. But find ways to encourage him as much as you can. Yeah, I think about Job in Job chapter 2 when, when he lost everything, his, his business, his wealth, his children, all these things are happening. He goes to his wife. And, and you know, right there where in a lot of the romantic comedies of the day, that's where the, 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 the wife, the love interest would stand up and say, I love you, we can get through it, you know, you hear Tammy Wynette singing Stand By Your Man you know, in the background and all those things, but Job goes to his wife and instead of encouraging him, she says, you still have respect for yourself? What she's saying is, 
you call yourself a man? You're a failure. Look at all the things that have gone wrong. You have completely let everyone down. Now, the truth was that none of it was really Job's fault. This was, these were the cards that he was dealt in life and he was trying to make the best of it. But man, in her distress and her anger, she took it out on him. And a lot of guys at that point would have said, well, I'm done. I'm not trying anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting the extra effort because here I am. I've tried and I've done all the things God's told me to do. And my life has fallen apart. And now my wife has rejected me because of it. And we'll tell you some of the fine ways to encourage him. Uh, you know, it's important that you celebrate the wins. I want to encourage you to celebrate the wins. You know, whenever uh, you go through difficulties, find things to celebrate. I'm not saying you ignore the problems, but I'm saying find ways to celebrate the things that are going right. Because what happens is sometimes in, in relationships and in marriages, uh, we can get so caught up in what we think is wrong that we forget about all that's right. Find ways to celebrate those wins. A husband needs and craves the respect of his wife and his family. That's what he craves. Men, we're going to get into this a little deeper, but the truth is, is that for, for a lot of you thinking, yeah, you know, this is what, what she needed to hear today. The truth is, is that for a lot of you, a, a, a lot of you have, uh, maybe not a lot of but some of us may have marriages and we may have wives where we don't feel like they're letting us lead. But the truth is, it's hard for them to let us lead when we're unwilling to love them the way that God has called us to. It, it, it's hard for, for them to give us respect when we are not giving them the love that we are commanded to. It is a cycle. And as a, as a man loves his wife, she will respect him, which will encourage him to love her, which will encourage, him to res uh, uh, encourage her to respect him. And it just goes on and on and on. And Paul says, uh, he says to sum it up, he says the man is to love the wife and the wife is to respect her husband. So here's the deal. In a godly marriage, when a, when a godly woman respects her husband, then she is portraying and reflecting not only a submission to a plan or a willingness to let him lead, but she is also portraying uh, the willingness that every man, woman, and child should have to let God lead and to submit to his plan and his leadership in our lives. And I wonder if there's anyone here that, you know, we've talked a lot about husbands and wives. We really got in, in, in stuff here. But I wonder if there's anyone here that would say, you know, I'm not really sure that I'm really fully submitted to God. I'm not really sure if, 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 if I'm really allowing God to lead me in my life. And if that's you, then we'll give you an opportunity here in just a minute to... Uh, to come forward or to make a commitment to God, whatever that might be, as we, as we get ready to close our time here together, I just want to ask you, where are you with that? Where are you with your relationship with the Lord? If there are husbands in here, husbands, how can you love your wives better? Wives, how can you better honor and respect your husbands? It doesn't mean that you might not be doing it already, but how can we do it better? And how can we do it better?
in a way that glorifies God the most. Let's pray.